Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and we are up and running. Metro Nashville, how's it going? We've got a bunch of restaurants that are going. We're rocking and rolling, and I am just dying to hear more about what's going on. Our guest today, his name is David Andrews, and he owns D. Andrews Bakery and Cafe. It's downtown, and he's going to be opening his doors tomorrow. And I know that he is ready. I know that he's got all the right stuff down, and he is uh, he's ready to rock and roll. And I hope you are, too. Are you talking, um, I know one of the things you hear me talking about at the beginning of my shows is Kurt's Hospitality. Janet Kurtz, you've heard her on our show. She's amazing. She's coming up with ideas every day, her and her team. And they're trying to figure out ways to get the people back into your door safely. What are you doing out there to make a difference? She can help you put a plan together to make sure that your business is ready to go at this thing full on. So give her a call. Uh, check her out at KurtzHospitality.com. That's K-U-R-T-Z Hospitality.com. And her phone number is, let me look it up here. Her number is 615-456-3953. And uh, she's waiting for your call. So let her know you heard about her here on National Restaurant Radio. And um, let's keep going with some housekeeping here. So again, if you like this podcast, I would love it if you would click the subscribe button. We are constantly coming up with new things. I've been testing this out, so I've been releasing episodes the night before. And all my subscribers are getting it in their inbox, and the next day we're blasting it. So if you want to be one of the people that gets this podcast, as soon as I hit go, uh, click subscribe. There's a couple special things for you subscribers that I'm trying to do. So let's get into today's episode. David Andrews, is he's a, he's a native son he is a guy that has lived in Nashville the majority of his life, grew up here, families from here, came back home, and um, his story is just really cool. I really enjoyed talking to him, and um, I hope you enjoy listening to him. So without further ado, let's jump in with Mr. David Andrews. Welcome in to the show, David Andrews. Uh, he is the owner of D. Andrews Bakery and Cafe in downtown Nashville, David Andrews, welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you uh, having me on this morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so excited just to um, to talk to you. I, your story is so interesting as being being a native son and owning a restaurant downtown, just kind of how you got there, I thought was pretty cool. Uh, being being a guy who's lived in Nashville for 30 plus years myself, I like to talk to people like you and tell your story. So let's ju- let's just jump right in, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So your family owned McClure's Department Stores. Yeah. So my family owned McClure's Department Store, which was in uh, had a store in Belle Mead. So it was really great as a child to to go in there. And for people who don't know what it was, just think it's like a like a family owned local Nordstrom. That's probably the biggest comp. And we just had amazing Christmas shop, amazing high-end clothing from Armani and St. John. And then we went down to more uh, ready-to-wear 
and had children's clothes and a great gift department. It was just an amazing place to grow up and famous for our, our bunnies during the Easter time. I have uh, pictures of my siblings and I playing in the bunny cage, and it was just a wonderful place to grow up and be. So you guys had bunnies? Yeah, yeah. So uh, they're actually at Phil's Toy Mart now. Uh, we would have bunnies during the, the Easter season, and people would come in on Saturdays with their kids and uh, could pet the bunnies. I guess you could do it back in those days and not get in trouble. Uh, but it was really fun. And on Sunday mornings when the store wasn't open, my parents would take us over there, and we'd just get in the cage and, and play around with the bunnies. So they yeah, have fond memories. You guys were right there in Belmede. What year? When did McClure's like close? It closed in 2002, uh, 2003 was the was the final time period. And yeah, it was just, it had a great run. Uh, it was in business for over 80 years. And uh, it gave me a perspective on small businesses that I think has been very helpful for, for what I'm doing now in my own bakery. And yeah, it had a great run, a great time, fond memories. Uh, it's just time to move on. Did you work there? I did. I, after college, I worked there for about two years. I was actually the uh, the ladies' lingerie buyer, which was pretty funny, and nice. uh, the, <laughs> and the ladies' uh, high end dresses. Uh, so yeah, it was great. We I got to go to New York, and it, it, it exposed me to some uh, great restaurants in New York because we would always uh, go out after viewing the shows, and so that was a uh, definitely an added plus. And again, it helped me later in life. So. I'm going to get back to the ladies' lingerie buyer, just because I'm curious how one, so your parents own the thing, and you get in, you work there, but why ladies' lingerie? Like, how did you get into being a lady? I'm just curious now. Well, I think the reasoning is, A, it was a one buyer that was open, so that's, they put me there because everything else was filled. Another reason it was, uh, the weirdly enough, ladies' lingerie was my grandmother's favorite department, so I think it was a, a opportunity for her to shepherd me and the way she believed to, the business should be run and how uh, everything should be done properly. So I think it's, it's a combination of those. And I was very close with my grandmother. So I think that had a, a lot to do with it. Yeah. I, learning how to buy ladies lingerie from my grandmother is an interesting <laughs> dynamic of business. Well, she, I would always, I love the color purple and she would never let me buy purple lingerie because she always said that was the color of death. So that's my biggest takeaway from uh, my the color of you. death. That's what she said. She said, that's what they lined the caskets with. She would always say every time a, a, a purple or a lilac lingerie came out, I was like, one of these days I'm going to do it. And uh, funny, funny enough, when she passed away, uh, I made sure she was buried in her purple St. John suit. So it all comes for a full circle. Wow. So where did your love of cooking come from? So you worked there for the last two years. And I, after that, you did you go to New York? After that, uh, I was about 26. And I, I always loved pastries. I always would bake pecan pies in uh, my mom's kitchen. She would always get mad at me because there was flour on the floor. Uh, so just it was just a natural transition for me to, to when that door closed, just to follow my passion. So I, 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 I made the leap and went to New York and uh, uh, started at ICE, which is a basically career changer culinary school. And uh, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a great experience. So you have to 2003. What's the number one thing you learned in culinary school? Oh, my goodness. 
So if I was a kid out there and I was thinking, I need to go to culinary school, what's an argument for going to culinary school? Maybe give me an argument against going to culinary school. <laughs> My opinion on culinary school is don't waste your money. Uh, I, it's, I, it's a very rare exception that I recommend culinary school. I think that right now, I, when I went, it was $15,000. For me, I think it was okay because I just, I was so, not shell-shocked from the store closing, but I just, I, I wasn't acclimated to the restaurant world, especially in New York. So it was a good transition, but now culinary schools are $30,000. And I would just tell somebody, go to your favorite restaurant in Nashville or go to your favorite bakery and say, Hey, I'm going to wash your dishes for two weeks. And if you show up every day on time and you do a good job and people like you, their next position that's going to be open, they're going to hire you. So I think I truly believe from everybody I've seen in the restaurant world, it's better to work your way up because if you come in and say, hey, I went to culinary school, the average chef would be, that's nice. And it just save your money. The same as like bartending school. You get somebody to come in and they'll, they'll apply for a job and say, uh, I'd like to be your bartender. And you go, uh, we kind of promote to that. And they go, no, I went to bartending school. And you go, yeah, that that's not really what bartending, like there's a lot of variables when it comes to bartending i used to say that you could um you could teach a monkey how to make a jack and coke but you can't teach a monkey trust <laughs> i know that's, that's why i always say it's like i can teach anybody to do anything uh i just need you to prove yourself that you're 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 a hard worker i mean hard work is, is number one in my book and you know what it takes a lot of time and energy to train somebody properly and if I'm going to take that time and energy because I care and I want you to be great and I want to set you up for success in your future, I want to make sure you're in. You know, I want to make sure that you're the kind of person that I want to take that time and energy to do that with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, I mean, I think well, I, I don't want to completely bash culinary school because there are good parts to them. But I, I, I find so many times at the bakery, somebody will come in and, and they'll have their own opinions and say, well, we did this this way at culinary school. And I was like, that's nice, but this is the way we're going to do it in my bakery. And I think that <laughs> it happens all the time. Uh, so give me somebody I can mold, somebody who, who works hard, somebody I can trust, somebody who I can be loyal to and they can be loyal to me. And I think that's what makes a great cook and then ultimately a great chef. So in New York, you, gra you graduate culinary school. I assumed you worked around New York, different places. Yeah. My first job, I, I uh, my first job was at Gotham Bar and Grill, which is uh, oh, wow. it, it actually just <laughs> actually just closed. It had a great run, too. Uh, so yeah, it was a three-star uh, restaurant. It was, I call it a rock star of a restaurant. We would do 400 covers on a Saturday night. And wow. back then we were doing uh, uh, five days on, six days on. So we were doing 60, 70 hours a week. And I know it sounds like a lot and it was a lot. It was the greatest training experience I could ever hope for. Uh, I loved it. I learned flavor. I learned how to be around the kitchen. And it, it definitely, I definitely needed those three years to learn the ins and outs of the kitchen. And it was just a spectacular education. I, I love the people who were there. I love my bosses. Uh, but yeah, it was hard work. And, and definitely after three years, you, you definitely have a big breakdown. Everybody does. And uh, so I'm very grateful for, for everybody there. What was the, so when you're going through, you kind of get out of culinary school, what's the biggest transition moving from culinary school to Gotham? What's the, what's some of the stuff you learned there? Do you have any good stories? I think the one thing that the, one of the most important skills at Gotham is canelling, which is basically the beautification that you do when you scoop ice cream and make that sort of, uh, 
what is it, an oblong circle just has points on one end and then round in the middle and the ports on the other end. And you just do it with a spoon. And they basically didn't even teach you at culinary school how to do it. Uh, but first day at Gotham, they just have you work in your canal and try to make perfect your ice cream and plating. So just skills like that, that you just have to work at, work at, work at, and eventually you'll master. That's amazing. The, the, sometimes people forget that like there are such details that go into every single dish and just the way that you scoop ice cream can be something you have to train somebody. That level of detail is just amazing to me. Yeah. And when you, when you master it, you're huge. I was just so proud. I mean, my canal game back in the day was strong. Uh, but yeah, that was, those were fun times. I remember walking to the kitchen, they had a little jar of Q-tips in the, the middle of the table. And I was like, what is that for? And then I eventually stay for the night service and they were plating. And if they put down the sauce on the dessert plate and it was, it was bad, they would take the Q-tip and just run it across and make it perfect. So that level of detail is, is what gives you three and four stars in New York. And uh, it was a great training ground. And I, I'm forever grateful to, uh, to Alfred and Deborah and everybody who there who, who helped train me. Wow. Is there anywhere, else you, anywhere else you worked in New York? Yeah, there was two other – uh, well, there's four stops. Uh, after my little uh, uh, three years at Gotham, I I wound up at Mercado 55, which was uh, Marcus Danielson's take on Ethiopian Ethiopian cuisine. Uh, it was short lived. Uh, that's another podcast if you want the stories on that one. Uh, after that, we I went to Shea Shea, which was a uh, sandwich shop in uh, Meatpack in the in the Chelsea area, a good experience. That's where I started to start to translate from culinary, I mean, sorry, from uh, pastry to culinary. Uh, and again, that lasts about a year. And then after that, I, I wound up the Kimberly Hotel where I was the executive chef for six years. Uh, started there as the executive pastry chef. And, and within six months, I was the executive chef. So I was there for six years in that job. And that was awesome. It was sort of the polar opposite of Gotham. At Gotham, I learned flavor, and at the Kimberly Hotel, I learned management and how to deal with people and how to babysit and how to deal with the owners, and which were great. The owners are great, but you know, there's a lot of people in the hotel that you have to please, and it was just an amazing experience. Wow. Okay, so you said another podcast. I'm going to jump back to the Marcus Samuelson place. Uh Let's. You don't have to tell me any <laughs> crazy tales, but let's get. Let's. Let's. I want to hear one story. Why'd you leave there? Is there a good exit story? Well, Marcus had exited first. He wasn't even there the opening night. So that tells you how invested he was in. And to say something, Marcus was, flavor-wise, Marcus was one of the most talented men I've ever worked for. And I, I have nothing, I, I'll say good things about him. He's a very nice man. Very, very nice to me. He seems uh, like just, an amazing guy. He's, he was a, yeah, he's very amazing. And he's, 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 he's one of those people when you, I remember the first time he walked in, he just has this charisma. He's just one of those people where he walks in the room and everybody looks and he's, he gravitas. Exactly. He's like gravitas. Like people say like Bill Clinton's the same way or Michael Jordan, like Marcus Danielson, when he walks in the room, all eyes are on him. Uh, but yeah, he, it was just owner situation. Everything wasn't going right. It was during the 2008, 2009 recession it just didn't work. And then they tried this uh, brunch series where they would bring in all these uh, tastemakers for a Saturday brunch and have champagne bottles on the table. And uh, they brought in these two hotshot kid promoters. It was just, it was just, <laughs> it was a lot. 
and uh, people were just going crazy. They eventually had this little bar in the bottom next to the pastry kitchen in the in the in the basement called Bijou, and it was just it was just a spectacular failure where uh yeah just a lot of money went people just saw it as this wow it's a meatpacturing district in new york let's put more money more money and it just it just failed it just it just sometimes it's not the right place right time and that wasn't that all right so we will do that on another podcast we're yeah, gonna I mean, dig exactly. into all of that and seriously we'll spend like 20 minutes i want to know the whole story how that thing went down so there's a little teaser for the rest of you we're gonna do that uh we'll do that another time but let's you know there's a, something really cool that i learned today at noon, there's going to be a Blue Angel flyover in downtown Nashville, which to whatever debate, that's the way the government spends the money. I don't, I don't care. But I think that's pretty cool. And I learned something interesting about you, that your great uncle is the Andrews from that they named Andrews Air Force Base after. Yeah, my great uncle is uh, Frank Maxwell Andrews. Uh, he was a general in World War II. His plane went, he was actually coming back. He was uh, director of European operations. And I think it was probably 1943. He was 42, 43. He was flying back to meet FDR. And he was going to take over as the Supreme Allied Commander. Unfortunately for him, uh, when he got to Iceland, they stopped to refuel. And as I suppose Iceland has there was some terrible weather and his plane went down and, and he was killed so he's uh finally remembered as one as a fa- one of the founders of the air force and after the war they decided to name the newly uh national air base in washington dc as a uh, andrews air force base and today it's called joint base andrews they merged it with uh, another air base and my family is just extremely proud to have that uh our name on such a, a, a an institution. Uh, we're always yeah. proud. When, when dignitaries fly into the country, you, we always hear our name, and it really brings a smile to our face. So I'm very happy about that. And one for stories, oh, I, I did go there a couple of years ago, and we we walked through the gate, and we came upon a film crew, and I was like, "What are these people doing here? Is there somebody else coming?" And then I realized they're here for us, and so it was pretty cool that they interviewed us and. Uh, kind of treated us very special and, and it, it made us proud. That's, that's a cool story, man. Um, wow. That's, that's, that's some pretty cool lineage. And the best, the best part was actually uh, they have a golf course. So we went to the pro shop at the golf course and it was really cool to see Andrews on all the, uh, on all the golf balls and all the golf t-shirts and uh, all the paraphernalia. So we definitely, we definitely spent some money that day and, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I can was, imagine. Really special day. Every everybody in that Christmas got Andrews Andrews Air Force Base golf balls. That's hilarious. All right, so back to our story. I'm sorry, a little detour. I thought that was a really cool note that I, I wanted to get a little more details on. So you're in New York. You spent all this time there. When did you come back to Nashville? So came I. So year thirteen. I was. I always told people whenever you, whenever I lose my twang or. Uh, my sensibility, it was time to come home. So yeah, 13, year 13 was it for me. Usually it's around year 10. I, I, people start to move out of New York, but year 13, I came home. I, I, I knew I wanted to open a bakery. I had been thinking about for years and years, and I just didn't, there's some, definitely some fine bakeries in Nashville. I just didn't see anything that I sort of bridged the gap between that, a patisserie you would find in New York and a 
boulangerie plus more of a cafe where you would serve sandwiches and salads. So I saw a need for what I do. Uh, and I just, I, I went for it. So we moved back in, in, in 2017, like 2017, started searching for a space. I knew I wanted to be downtown because I knew I needed that foot traffic uh, that would be key to what I was doing. And we found a great space right next to the library on Church and uh, Church and Fifth and Church Sixth. And I, I, I love it. So it took about a year and a half to, to make it happen. When did you actually open the, the cafe? Yeah, we opened in the the summer of what was it like summer twenty eighteen July twenty eighteen, uh, and so we've been in, in doing this for almost two years now. And how was business? It's been fantastic. Pre we'll call it pre COVID. It was it was yeah fantastic. yeah that's what I mean yeah. Was, yeah yeah it was it was fantastic. It was it was we were growing literally every month we grew, and people were getting to know us. We saw so many regulars coming back, and then we saw. More tourists coming to the shop as our as our uh, our image uh, grew and and I loved every second of it. I'm so proud of my bakery. I'm so proud of my team. It's just and it's fun. I always I love it. I think it's interesting just how people get where they are. And I like to tell the story of people following their dreams and hopefully their dreams come into reality. So you started Nashville. Your parents have this department store. You work there. You're a women's lingerie buyer. You moved to New York. You um, you go to culinary school. You've worked for some great places. You gain lots of experience. Are you married? Did you? Are you have children? Yeah, no. Uh, I, I I found my husband Matt in New York, and uh, we've been together for about fourteen years. Uh, we've been married for I guess four years now. And that's uh, awesome. Nice, yeah. And he he was he's a huge part of the story. And uh, I've always been I've been planting the seed for for certainly ten years that uh, needed to come home to Nashville. And he just, just, he, 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 he said, yes. When I said, so does I he it, like it? He, he puts it, uh, he likes New York. He loves me. That's the way he, he puts it. And he, oh. he, he, yes. The answer is yes. He really likes Nashville. It's, it's a little slower pace in New York, but still has all the, uh, it has many of the, uh, advantages that a big city does. Uh, I always tell, I always tell him I'm lucky I'm not from uh, I, I shouldn't disparage another city, but I'm, I'm lucky I'm not from somewhere else. I'm looking I'm I'm lucky I'm very lucky I'm from a very hot city, uh, as in a yes. uh, popular city. So that definitely made it easier to convince him to come back. And uh, yeah, he's been great. What does he do? So he is actually a producer for Lonely Planet. So he'll produce oh. their web content, and that's is almost an ideal job for him. He loves to travel. He uh, he he has a background from MTV. He worked for MTV. He worked for VH1. He worked for Logo. He worked for NBC News. So he has this production background, but he always had this love of travel and wanted to uh, sort of parlay that into a job. And 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 he did. I'm so proud of him. And uh, he's just he's the best. That's awesome, man. Well, I love to hear that. So you guys move back here. You open the place. It's going wonderfully. And like I said, I like to chronicle kind of. Everybody has a different story right now. And I could talk to 10 people and six of them may be the same, but four of them are completely different. And COVID-19, kind of first we had a tornado and then uh, COVID-19 hits. You made the tough decision to to close the restaurant, not doing to go and delivery. What was that like? Yes. I was. So for me, the tornado was actually, for me, the tornado was just uh, uh, didn't affect me that much. Sure. Uh, actually, actually, the morning of the tornado was actually one of 
my weirdly enough, it was one of my favorite days ever at the bakery because I saw all my regulars coming in and they were just, they all came in at once and they were just there for comfort and they were there because they wanted their uh, bacon, egg and cheese sandwich. They wanted to be around people that were familiar and family. So that morning I'll always weirdly hold a special place in my heart because it was just so familiar, so community oriented. I loved it. So two weeks later, our, when the COVID started really hitting, uh, the week before our sales were down 30%. And then I think it was what it was, March 16th was a Monday and our sales were down 60% that day. And then the next day, just the writing was on the wall. We, so we, we, we shut down, uh, March 17th, uh, just because, because we're downtown, because people have the stigma of coming downtown for delivery and for, uh, for pickup, I made the decision, we're just going to close it all. I didn't want to do a, a half-assed job of trying to do uh, takeout and not having our same quality. And there's also, there's, there's also just psychological, it, it just uh, safety, safety. And, and, and it just, it just, we, I just determined that people I respected like uh, Joanne Chang, who owns flower in, in Boston, and she just closed everything down. She said, this is best for our employees. It's best for our customers. This is best for the business. And, I really, it's a tough decision. Everybody always says it was the toughest day of their life. I've heard Danny Meyer say that. I've heard Joanne Chang say that. I said, heard every chef say that, whatever it was, March 16th, 17th for that chef, it was just the toughest day of their life was because employees are a family and, 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 and we love our employees. And I just, it was just, it was, it was tough. Uh, absolutely. So during quarantine, as, as has been, I, I'm still in quarantine. I'm kind of one of those health risk people I've learned. So I'm not necessarily going out yet, but the mayor has opened up to phase one, which is 50% capacity. You're able to open and you are not currently open, but you are opening tomorrow. Yes, we are opening tomorrow. So uh, let's, what, I'd love to walk through that decision. Where, where did that come from? And what are some of the things that you thought about? And what are you most excited about? I would say the decision was a, a couple of, of prongs. One is, truthfully, our, our PPP money came through. So we had a, uh, we have a cushion to go through the, the lean times. And, and I have said before, I thought it would be irresponsible for me to open up without that. Uh, cushion. So yeah, money was definitely uh, an issue. And, and also, as far as the, the mayor's phase one, uh, there really aren't too many food options downtown. So I do kind of feel a responsibility to my customers, again, that familiar familiarity that we have with them, that, that it just brings comfort. Even me walking down the street downtown, I'll see a regular one of our, our regular customers and they just smile when they see me. So, and I know what that's about. And I smile when I see them because we care about each other and love each other. And so I do believe there is a place for a community in my decision to reopen. Uh, my employees were ready to come back. <laughs> I was ready to go back. It's, it's kind of, uh, you know, working for 14 years straight in restaurants to have two months off is just unheard of. So uh, we definitely had to get back to work. What are some of the things you're doing differently when you reopen? We are certainly paying 100% attention to what the Nashville uh, Health Department is saying. We have stanchions in the bakery now. We'll have lines. Uh, there's, and we have marked positions that are six feet uh, between each one. We, today, we reduced our numbers. Our occupancy is, is 
48, so now we, we're allowed 24 people, so we make sure our, our chairs are positioned. Uh, we'll all be wearing masks. We all, you know, take our temperature. Uh, we're just, just everything we can do to, to ensure the safety of our, our, our staff and our, our customer will do, and uh, we're all about that. So you're taking the temperature of your staff when they arrive for work? Yes, we will be taking temperature if for some reason I'm not there because the first person gets there at 3 a.m. So uh, in some instances, like the mayor says, we'll have a, a, an order system uh, if I'm not there or for some reason somebody else not there to take temperature. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we, will, we will monitor that and we will log it. So what is your staff telling you? Are they ready to come back to work? Are they ready to roll or are they nervous? Are they scared? I would say... 80% of my staff were ready to roll. They were, they were great. They wanted to get back to work. They love what they do. Uh, they, they, they are proud of what they do. I'm proud of what we do. So I think most of my staff was, was in that. And, and again, being restaurant people, we, we probably are a little bit more cavalier, a little bit more uh, uh, just we want to be out there. And that's just our nature. And I think that's great. I love that. That's what I love about the business. Uh, a few of my employees, one of them has pre-existing conditions and, and, and didn't feel like she wanted to come back. And I 100% understand that. I, 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 I completely understand that. And I, I, I love these people. Uh, so we will, we will continue on and, and, and welcome them back when, uh, when they feel comfortable. You know, you just touched on something. You said a phrase that I, I love. You said, we're restaurant people. And that's something that I don't think other people recognize that Restaurant people are uh, that it, this is in their soul. This is in their blood, and you know who I'm talking about. The people oh, yeah. that aren't gonna they aren't gonna do anything else in their life. They want to work in restaurants. They have that spirit of service, and this is what they want to do because they miss saying hi to people in the morning. The regulars they miss that interaction. They need that. They want to make others feel good, and. Restaurant people do that. I had an old boss say, restaurant people are the ones who tell their parents they're going to work in restaurants and they're okay with it. They <laughs> don't have to explain, well, I'm also going to do this. Now. They, they can say, no, this is what I'm going to be a chef or I'm going to be a career bartender or server because there's real money that's made there. And I think that there's a lot of people that are just people that get a paycheck that also work in restaurants and restaurant people are different. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, please, I could write a book on it. I, I, and it's funny because most of the people who come through my bakery and, and workers are restaurant people. They love it. They love the adrenaline. And I, I reference those 400 covers we used to do at Gotham Bar and Grill. Those are grueling, just gut punch nights. But it is, man, it's just the adrenaline that you feel, the, the rush, just the, the excitement of a kitchen. And, and it, it's just like a drug. It's just, you just, you love it and you love uh, put, you just I, you love the challenge. I mean, that's for me what I love most is I, I I like to be challenged. I like to push myself, and I think that's what being a restaurant person is. It's somebody who wants to better themselves, wants to make everything better, but also loves the fact that yeah, I, I've canelled a hundred scoops of vanilla ice cream tonight, but you know what? The hundred and one is going to be the best one yet. And we love to challenge ourselves, and we love to have that community and, and just to, to rib each other as in like, you know, playing jokes on each other, not because we are making fun of each other, but because we love each other. Uh, and we, we have to push other, each other's buttons. And, and it's just this almost gamesmanship that, that is addicting and, and, and we love it. 
I, you know, if you could see me, which we can't because we're not doing this over Zoom, uh, I'm just smiling ear to ear because you just described the atmosphere that I love the most. You know, you just described just that there's a playful nature of working in a restaurant that is that's so detailed and so stressful. But it's like I think Jay Alexander's calls it organized chaos. But there's a fun of that. It's almost like a battle mentality that once you've gone through a 400 cover night and you you make it through at the end of the night, there's a we did this together as a team and it brings you close. There's a closeness that you feel. I think a lot of people are really missing right now. Yeah, I remember those, again, those 400 covers at Gotham Bar Grill. We'd end at 1230, 1 o'clock, and, and strangely enough, we'd all go to the little bar across the street and all have a shot of tequila and 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 dance. And because you just, these are the people you grew up with, these people you love, these are the people that, yeah, you've been working for 12 hours with them, and, and any other time you'd be sick of them, but just that rush. It's probably what I would imagine, like, what a band goes through playing a show they get done it at, at, at with their set at, at 12 o'clock and that adrenaline is just still pumping and uh you know you, all your other friends who are bankers and lawyers they're asleep so you hang out with your other, your own kind and uh, it's just a great community so you mentioned a band and this is something i wanted to ask you so during a concert eddie vetter always stops and says i'm a big pearl jam fan he says Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mike McCready on the guitar, and this is Stone Gossard, and he goes through all of the band members. Who are the people in your band that that help you on a daily basis? That that are those people? Give them some shout outs here. Yeah, so uh, Dean Gallagher's is my pastry chef, and he I say he's the most talented pastry chef in Nashville. I am so fortunate to have him. I love Dean. He's he's uh, he's 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 an amazing person, and and. and I am very fortunate. He used to work at uh, uh, Prima and uh, Geist, and, and his talent is world class. Uh, then we have uh, Rachel, who does our cage, I word, and she's just again a world class cake decorator, and uh, I love her. And even and she's lately just stepped up and, and wants to try her hand at more culinary, more savory, and, and she really impressed. Me. She brought me to tears a couple of months ago. She did such an amazing job, and I compliment her and then uh uh jeremy Britt is my my savory chef and uh he's his his palate is is impeccable he's such a hard worker he he brings to the bakery ideas and uh ways of doing things that i may not he's very in touch with local farmers and and so he brings that aspect to the bakery that that i probably need help with and and uh he's just ultra talented and uh so yeah that's that's the backbone backbone of my bakery or the the four of us and we make a great team and uh i'll, I'll on a little side tangent I'll, I'll always remember uh on monday morning when we turned back on the ovens and said hey we're going to open this friday those three people were there with me and that's something that i get choked up about and just just the emotion of seeing their faces seeing their trust seeing their love and they're there morning number one. And that's something I'll always cherish. I'll always be loyal to them. I'll always love them. And I'm, that's my story. That's what I'm talking about. I love that. I love that, man. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I'm excited for you. I know you've got a lot going on. You're opening tomorrow. Um, and I have one more thing I want to ask you about. Then I want to get all the information. Give me all the details about your opening, when people can come in, what they can do, all of that good stuff. 
but you do a thing called D Andrews after dark. Exactly. And <laughs> is that something that like people know about, or is that like an underground thing? I think it's a downtown underground thing. And the, the genesis of the idea was that Jeremy, Dean, myself, we're all restaurant people. And we love the bakery because we still have that desire for that rush of those 400 people. But at the same time, we're at that point when you're in your late 30s and early 40s, you, you just, it's just not practical to be at the restaurant until 11 p.m. every night. So that's what we love about the bakery is we can work a, a six to three shift or a seven to, to four shift and do all the same things that we do at Gotham Bar and Grill or Adele's or any fine restaurant in Nashville. We use those same ingredients and it still satisfies us and we see our customers, uh, but we don't have to be up to 11. However, there are, that's, there's still that rush you get for dinner. So we created this dinner series that satisfies that. So once every six weeks, uh, we'll announce on our website or through our newsletter, and it's about 18 people. Uh, we'll close. We we rearrange the bakery into a big chef's table, and we'll serve six, seven, eight course meals that I think rival anything you'll find in town. And, and we just try to be creative. We try to, you know, we are charging a premium, so we're able to get nice ingredients. Uh, we've done mm-hmm. braised rabbit. We've done uh, made our own pasta with and had scallops and Dean made this incredible decomposed uh, uh, German chocolate cake last time and, and it's just something a deconstructed stretch. yes deconstructed I think our, <laughs> there's, I know it was amazing and had all this beautiful tempered chocolate on it and, and it's just these are just desserts that obviously we can't sell every single day at the bakery and may not even want to attempt to do every single day at the bakery because it's so labor intensive, but we still have that yearning to uh, achieve greatness and and to experiment and to push ourselves. And I think that's what this dinner, uh, this, it just just allows us to stretch ourselves uh, a couple of times once a month and we love it. Well, I'm, probably not alone listening to this thinking i want to go to that how do i sign up for that newsletter yeah, how do i can, be in the know what do i need to do so you can either ideally you ideally you would come to the bakery and uh, have breakfast or lunch or uh some takeaway goods and then uh you can give us our email it'll ask you uh, on our, our pos computer screen if you want to give us your email and if you put your email down, then you're in our system and we'll send you those, those newsletters. We also send out recipes of the month. We send out uh, special specials we're doing. It's just a great way to connect to our customer. Or you can go to our website. There's There'll be a pop-up menu, pop-up box, and you just put in your email and we'll record it that way. And we'll uh, send you newsletters or just follow us on Instagram, The Andrews Bakery. Uh, follow us on Facebook. We're always posting and, and telling you what we're up to. So we, we, we definitely... I think we do a very good job of, of, of staying connected with our customers and yeah. So if you guys don't know about them, D Andrews bakery, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Instagram, go to D Andrews bakery, get you some breakfast, get you some lunch and uh, sign up to be on their newsletter. Let me ask you one more thing. Do you sell any of your baked goods to any other local restaurants? So if I have, let's say I, I want to open up a coffee shop, but I don't do food. Can I buy your stuff and do you deliver? Do you do that around town at all? 
Yeah, so we 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 are we sell to Anzi Blue, which is in uh, Bellmead on Harding. Uh, it's a it's a great uh, a great spot, and that's about it right now. We're in talks with a couple other, and I think that'll that's something that we were just starting to expand to. We really want to hone in on on in bakery sales uh, before we we tackled wholesale. But I think uh, especially in this new environment that we're in. We certainly need every single source of, uh, of of revenue we can get, and so I think that's you'll you'll be seeing those popping up more. Uh, so yeah, and then as far as delivery, we offer uh, we're through Uber Eats. You can offer it through there, and then uh, if you want to, we're actually doing a pastry box for this coming Saturday, and hopefully every Saturday after that. And you can just go to the website and tomorrow or Friday morning sorry, Friday morning, and then just say, hey, I want this pastry box, uh, and we'll get it delivered to you. We're partnering with a great new partner, partner Joy Drive, that does delivery. And, nice. Uh, I think it, there's, so there's many ways you can get our pastry, or just come downtown. I, I, I think people are intimidated about town downtown, and you really shouldn't be, especially especially weirdly right now, because there's there's nobody down there's Nobody here. down so there. There's plenty of parking. There's You can park at the library right next to us. Uh, Maybe not in the the parking lot across the street because it's very expensive, but there's plenty of street parking. You just have to drive around once or twice and you'll find it. And it's just a, it's 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 such a it's a, like I guess I'm biased, but I just think it's a it's a magical <laughs> place. I, I, I smile well, every day I go in. Good man. Well, I love I love your energy. I love you have such a positive outlook on things, and I can I can tell from your food. I mean, it's just beautiful. And if you're out there and you own a, a coffee shop and you need somebody to do kind of what he's doing, give him a call. Check them out. I think that you that would be a great another opportunity for you, maybe for you if you own a coffee shop or whatever. And uh, if you're a, a listener and you want to go find a great new place, go check out DeAndrews Bakery. Uh, it is downtown off Church and Fifth. You said Church Fifth Sixth. Yes, sir. Between and, Sixth and Fifth, um, uh, Church Street, right next to the library, and uh, and we do a lot. I mean, I, I, we I, I, my favorite famous tagline is we're actually a restaurant masquerading as a bakery. Because we serve so much, so many sandwiches, so many salads, a lot of soups. So uh, we definitely have a lunch is, is 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 plentiful, and we're actually just today, uh, Jeremiah, we're working on a uh, on a smash burger. So we got some uh, some ground beef from a Bear Creek barn, Bear Creek Farms, and then we're making our own uh, brioche bun, and it's spectacular. Mm. So I think that's a little little tidbit of things to come. Just just uh, and it, it's spectacular. All right, I guess I will see you tomorrow. Um, <laughs> that's going to happen. Uh, thank you so much for taking time today. I know you're a busy guy getting set up for tomorrow, but um, we're just excited you came here on Nashville Restaurant Radio and nothing but the best of luck to you, Mr. David Andrews. All right. Thanks, Brandon. I really appreciate the time today. Thanks again to Mr. David Andrews for joining us here on Nashville Restaurant Radio. And thank you, the listener, for stopping by. Um, we always enjoy it when you hang out through the entire episode. So much so that if you go to the anchor.fm site right now and you favorite this podcast, the first person to go in and favorite this podcast will get a free hat. I've got some brand new Nashville restaurant radio trucker hats that are just arrived and they are awesome 
So the first person to go favorite it, I will get in touch with you and hook you up with a brand new Nashville Restaurant Radio hat. So I hope you guys are doing well out there. Stay safe, stay sane. Love you guys. Bye-bye.